Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Stars. We wrap up the series called I Am Jesus, where we've taken these last statements, these seven statements that Jesus made, and we talk about the significance they've had in each of our lives. So I'm gonna let you get ahead a little bit. I want you to take your Bibles to the book of John. John chapter 15 is where we're gonna camp out this morning. Probably the easiest way to follow along is the app, North Star Church, Georgia in the app store. If you've never downloaded the app, it's probably the easiest way to follow along. I know Sundays when I'm not speaking, I'm in the crowd. That's how I follow along. Um, gosh, we've been on, on a journey from Jesus saying, I'm the bread of life, to I am the gate, to I am the light of the world, to I am the good shepherd, to I am the resurrection and the life. Then last week we talked about, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And today, this statement that Jesus makes is powerful for where you and I live. So let's, let's set the scene of where we are. <clears throat> Last week, Jesus told his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled, John 14. Why were their hearts troubled? Well, Judas, their treasurer, they found out is, he's gone, he's betrayed. Jesus has said that Simon Peter, the captain of the team, is gonna check out three times and deny that he even knows him. Jesus has also told him, now he's not only gonna die, but then later in John 14, he tells them that his, or in John 13, his body is gonna be broken, right, on their behalf, and his blood is gonna be spilled. To say they were stunned would be an understatement. Hopes, dreams, life wasn't gonna be like they thought it was. And then they leave the upper room. They leave this area where they've had the Lord's Supper, this final time with Jesus, and they begin to head down the hill towards this garden of Gethsemane. We know where, where Jesus is arrested. And so as they begin to leave that hill and leave that, leave that uh, upper room, they make their way around, and most scholars, most commentators think that there was a vineyard that was right there where Jesus pauses, and he has this conversation with them. So let me ask you a question real quick. How many of you have ever gotten news that made you numb physically and emotionally? Raise your hand, okay? That's the news these guys have just gotten. Don't look at it as John 13, John 14, John 15. This is all one scene that's happening. And this scene is carrying over. They're not leaving the room and going, oh yeah, 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 I forgot about all that stuff. No, 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 they know what he said. They know Judas is gone, they know Simon Peter evidently is gonna deny that he knows him and it's gonna be just in a few short hours, and Jesus has already been talking about his death, and then they get to where we are today. Would you stand with me as we read God's word together? As they head down that hill, down towards that garden, Jesus says this to them, I am the true vine. My father's the vine dresser, time out. Why was that so significant? It was significant because Back during this time, Israel was known as the vine. That was the way it was known. In fact, there were coins that had a vine on them. There was one of the entrances into the, into the temp, Temple Mount. There was a vine that went across, and Jesus rocks them by saying, 
Guys, I, I need to let you know, I am the true vine. And my father, he's the vine dresser. Basically, what he's saying is this, it all's gonna come through me. That's what he's saying. Remember, in just a couple hours, he's gone. He's gonna be crucified on the cross. These are like final word statements from Jesus because when they get to the garden, he doesn't say a whole lot, right? He's praying to his father. In John 17, we have, but these are the words to his disciples and to us. I am the true vine, my father's a vine dresser, and every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So here's what a vine dresser would do. Remember, they're walking by these vines that are hanging down. What a vine dresser would do is they would come along and they would pick those vines up because as they grow, they would grow down into the ground. That vine dresser would pick those vines up and he would tie them back up so they could continue to grow or they would get trampled on, right? I mean, that's what would happen. If they lay on the ground, people are gonna walk on them and they're not gonna grow, they're gonna die. That vine dresser comes by and he picks them up and he begins to retie them. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear what fruit? What does it say there? More fruit. Already you're clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he who bears much fruit. For apart from me, Makes it really clear, you can do what? Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown in the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. By this, my Father's glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I love you, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Would you pray with me? Father, as significant as this conversation was 2,000 years ago, I believe it is as significant today. God, may we hear clearly from you today and may we leave knowing we've encountered you. Father, that is my prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Before you're seated here in Compass and Trudeau, turn around and wave at people around you, would you? Can't shake their hand, but wave at them. Welcome to North Star. It's so good to see you guys. So good to see you guys. So I have a podcast that I, that I mess around with. It's been a lot of fun, and I talk to people that have done a lot. They've accomplished a lot. And I'll, somewhere either in the pre-conversation or during the conversation, I'll ask the question, what do you want? And, and this is a roundabout thing, but all of them, no matter their walk of life, says, I want my life to count. I wanna know that my life mattered. I don't wanna just disappear off the radar screen. I don't wanna live and die and be forgotten. I want my life to count. I want my life to bear fruit that lasts after me is basically what they're all saying, whether they're in athletics or in entertainment or in business, no matter really what they want to do. They want their life to live on after them. They want it to count. Jesus tells us in John 15 how to make our lives count. He tells us what matters in John 15. And he says this. He said, my father wants you to bear much fruit. So he paints a picture of fruit and then over here, fruitless. 
right? His goal of our lives that our lives bear fruit. His goal for you, everybody look at me, is not that just you meet him and know him. Yes, that's eternity changing. But if he left you here, he left you here to bear fruit. Now, the question is, how do we do it? How do we learn to bear fruit? He uses two words in this passage. He uses them 10 times. And it, it's the word abide or remain. Abide or remain. That's what he uses. How many of you are parents or you were raised by someone? All right, if you don't raise your hand, I gotta talk to you, all right? So thank you. I'm glad we all agree on that. So at some point, the person that raised you probably said something over and over and over and over. Why? Because they wanted you to get it. Jesus said this over and over and over because he wanted them to get it. Everybody look at me. This isn't complicated, but it's not easy. This isn't something that you've got to have some advanced degree to figure out, but it's something not everybody chooses to do. How in the world do we learn to abide or remain so our lives can bear fruit? Ready? Principle number one, principle number one keep resting in his grace it's interesting. He said, I am the vine and you are the what? What did he say? Branches. <clears throat> you don't do the work. He does the work. Already you're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Okay, let's, let's just, no matter how you grew up, where you grew up, what church you've grown up in, Nobody earns their way to God. Can we all agree with that? You're never good enough to earn your way to God. It is by grace that you're saved. You are already, be, you are already he tells them, you are already be, being made clean. You don't have to perform for that. You don't have to work for that. See, if you've grown up in the world of athletics, that's a struggle because you earn playing time by how well you perform. It's not spiritual, though. He chooses you, if I get this, because he loves you and he wants you. It really has nothing to do with you. You're already clean. Rest in the grace. It's not about what you do. It's about his love for you. Does that make sense to everybody? Rest in that grace. See, at church, we make this, we try to make it complicated because I gotta make, get you to come back next week. And so we leave a little fine print. You gotta come back and get more later. This isn't complicated, but it isn't easy. Rest in his grace. Our job, you and me, is to remain in him every day and rest in that grace. You'll never understand it. You'll never figure it out. You'll never be able to get your arms around it. Rest in it. Number two, <laughs> keep on trusting in his pruning. <clears throat> keep on trusting in his pruning. So back in that grove, that vine dresser would prune. He would prune so the branches, look at, look at the passage with me. So the branches would bear, look with me, more fruit. But pruning isn't fun. Pruning isn't easy. Sometimes 
in pruning, we think God's mad at us. We think God's got a vendetta against us. We think God's out to get us. And we're being pruned. We're being cut back. Sometimes it's hobbies and likes and dislikes, and sometimes it's deeper pruning. In fact, you'll find out as you get older, the pruning doesn't get easier, it gets deeper. And sometimes there's things in our lives. So what's he working towards? All right, I want you to write this down. So it gives you an idea. He, he's working for us to look like Christ. That's what he's working for. So when my kids are growing up, they're 27 and 24 now. My oldest will turn 27 this week. 27 and 24. And we were parenting them in their younger years. We're still parenting, right? It's different now. You're still parenting because you go out to eat with them, you still pay, all right? That's how it works. So we're still working on it. But when they were growing up, we weren't gonna win a lot of popularity contest about being the most popular mom and dad because we had a goal we were parenting towards. I wanted them to love Jesus, I wanted them to love the church, love our family, and love others. And sometimes we didn't align and I would discipline because I loved. Does that make sense to everybody? The father disciplines and he does that through pruning. Sometimes in our lives, there's things that he's gotta cut out why? Everybody look at me. Because he sees more of what you could be. And he's got to get rid of some stuff to get what you could be. So Ann and I, we <clears throat> bought our first house. And so our first two homes were a little bit starter homes in some ways. And meaning the yard, you know, they put down a little bit of sod and then they would stick, they got to have a tree, so they would stick like a needle in the, in the ground and tie it off and say, well, there's your tree, all right? And so that was the tree and if the wind would blow, the needle would fall over and it's like, go lift the tree up. And so we would go and lift the tree up and I'd put it back up and that was basically, it was the Charlie Brown yard, all right? And so that's what we had going. Well, when we bought our home that we raised our kids in, uh, the person that lived there before, I mean, they'd put a lot of money in the yard, which I was very thankful for, and they had these trees called crepe myrtles, right? And so that's what they were called, crepe myrtles. And they were gorgeous. They were gorgeous. I was so proud that we had tree. We had an actual tree. I mean, something that people wanted to see and look at. And so we bought it in the fall, and it was coming spring, and it was our kids' birthdays. We're gonna have all our family in for their birthday parties in March and April. And so I, I knew I needed to fix it up, so I had a good buddy named Jerry that goes here. And Jerry, I brought him over to look at the yard and said, man, tell me, because I really had anything like this before, what I didn't do. And, and this was what Jerry told me. You need to prune them things, all right? And so that's what he said. You need to prune them things. And I said, what are the things? He said, those, those crepe myrtles, they need to get pruned. Oh, okay, well, I'm glad to prune those. He said, do you, what, what do I need to do that? And he said, shear, you need some shear. Man, I ain't got none of those, all right? He said, do you want me to do it? I said, I'd love for you to do it. So I hired Jerry to come over to do my pruning of these beautiful trees. Go to work go to baseball practice, and come home, and Jerry done killed my trees, all right? And so the man, the man had branches stacked up, and I'm like, Jerry, why do you've killed my trees? He said, boy, you don't know nothing, and agreed, all right? And so, boy, you don't know nothing. 
He says, to get it looking like it's supposed to, you gotta cut it back. It ain't fun getting cut back. Right? In the season of pruning, it's not easy. Listen to what Bruce Wilkinson said in his book, Secrets of the Vine. He made this comment. The vine's ability to produce growth increases every year, but without intensive pruning, the plant weakens and its crop diminishes. Mature branches must be pruned hard to achieve maximum yields. So here's the question of the day. Do I want my life to count for Jesus? If the answer is yes, pruning's part of the process. There's a great college football coach in the state of Alabama who says this statement, Trust the process. You gotta trust his process. You gotta trust God's process. That he has got an end result in mind for you. And everybody look at me. There's gonna be seasons that isn't gonna be fun. I heard a great Christian leader, he made this statement. He said, I never trust a man without a limp. Meaning everybody's been pruned deeply at some point. Point number three, keep on obeying his word. Keep on obeying his word. I want you to write this phrase down, ready? Day by day obedience. Day by day obedience. Mike, I wanna remain in him and I wanna live a life that counts. Okay, put this in front of you every day and walk in it. Every day. Andy Stanley calls it the principle of a path. Whatever pathway I've set my feet on is the direction I'm gonna end up. So if I wanna walk towards Jesus every day, then I take his words and lay them in front of me every day. And I, not, not what I intention. I have great intentions, right? But my follow through is not always that great. If you keep my commandments, You'll abide in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and I abide in his love. So the other day was a day we, Mary Michael came over for a little meeting I had at the house and I had a friend tell me this, gave me this idea and I loved it. And he said, do you have old Bibles that you've used in ministry? I said, oh, I've got a bunch of them. They're all at my house and they're all on the shelf. He said, take, take them and give them to your kids now. And I sat in my office and I gave my Bible that I was in my formative college years. I gave that Bible to Mary Michael. And my advice to her was this. Walk in this every day. You will love where you end up. Live your life separate from that. You'll have regrets about where you end up. And you'll always come back to this. Abide in it. Day by day obedience. We don't end up just being something. We end up there by simple daily obedience. My grandfather had a third grade education, but he walked with Jesus every day. It's not about your education. It's about who you are in him. Point number four, keep on praying in his will. Keep on praying in his will. We're, 
being fruitful. So being fruitful means I remain. And if I remain, I want you to write this little thought down. His heart becomes my heart. If I remain, his heart becomes my heart. If I remain in him. That's why Jesus makes the statement, ask whatever you wish. My word remains in you and you abide in me. Ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Well, Mike, that sounds like a genie God. No, what he said was, if you're walking in him, your heart will be his heart. You're not gonna ask something crazy. You're gonna say, Jesus, I want my life to count. He's like, ask away. God never gets mad at you when you don't understand everything. Ultimately, what he wants from all of us is for us to trust him more. Ask according to his will. You remember the the garden that Jesus is going down to? Jesus said, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, let it pass. But if not, let your will be done. Point number five, keep on loving other people. Keep on loving other people. It's funny, whenever we teach the the vine, John 15, we always leave this part out. But to me, it all points to this. Listen to what Jesus said. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be, what's it say next? Oh, help me out. What does it say? You want a life that counts? And you want a life that you look back in the rearview mirror and go, that was a full life. Then you do it this way. My joy's in you and your joy's full. This is the one we miss. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his who? For his who? Okay, yes or no question. Were there gonna be people that Jesus died for that were not gonna accept him, yes or no? He died anyways though, didn't he? That's love. He didn't say, Lay down your life for everybody who agrees with you. I, I heard, I heard, I've heard this statement through the years. And it's the statement that gets me. The statement's this. I only love Jesus as much as the person in life I love the least. Whew. I only love Jesus as much as the person in life. I love the least. I can't say, oh, I love Jesus all my heart, but I hate them. I I can't do that. He does not say, love the people that agree with you politically. Doesn't say that. He doesn't say, love the people who look like you. Doesn't say that. Doesn't say, love the people that are born in the same state as you, or born in the same place as you, or live in the same neighborhood as you. No, he said, You want to make my joy complete? And this is the commandment that I'm going to give you? Love other people like I've loved you. You want to solve our country? You want to fix our country? We sit in a boiling pot 
Ladies and gentlemen, there is not gonna be a political party that's gonna save our country. You know what's gonna save our country? When the church loves like Jesus does. That's what's gonna save our country. When you and I get up on Monday morning and we go, I love people, period. I don't always agree with them, but I love them. Then you become the church Jesus created us to be. That's when you begin to bear much fruit. I'll tell you this. If I only love Jesus as much as the person in life I love the least, I'm a work in progress, aren't you? That's good, though. He's not finished. And he's got a picture of how your life can count. Would you pray with me? Father, we could spend it three months talking about these 10 verses and not even scrape the surface. God, my prayer for the people who called North Star home is this, that they look and love like Jesus. Father, I know very well I can't take them somewhere that I'm not setting the pace for. God, may we bear much fruit. Father, may this place be a place that you will be loved. Not just when you walk in on Sunday, but from the business leader in their office on Mondays. God, eternity hangs in the balance. People are dying to see what Jesus looks like. May they see him through us. And God, may our lives be abundantly more lives for you in the kingdom. And I pray this in Jesus' name.